Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. KWTX at 4 starts now. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for being with us on this Wednesday, this rainy Wednesday, right, Camille? Very rainy. Yeah, it's been <laughs> kind of dreary, but we need it. I'm Lauren Westbrook with Camille Hawksworth. We want to say happy Mother's Day. In the U.S., Mother's Day is actually this Sunday, but in Mexico, El Salvador, and Guatemala, Mother's Day is today, May 10th. Awesome. So happy Mother's Day again, Camille. Yes. <laughs> we have a big Latin American community here in Texas, so we're sending our love to those moms out there celebrating today. Absolutely, and if you were outside, you notice it has been raining. You may have needed to celebrate with an umbrella. <laughs> oh, definitely, and checking on our forecast. Look at that rain, Camille. Yeah, this is the rain we had since midnight. We had a little bit, a big patch of rain actually pushed through the I-35 corridor, dumping multiple inches of rain, as you can see there. And that's already on top of a saturated ground. So it has been a couple of soggy days out there. Right now, it is not raining everywhere in central Texas. We actually have just a few of those rain bands kind of wrapping around this low that's going to push on out of here. We actually may get a, a little bit of a break over the next couple of days in terms of the rain. Um, keep the umbrella close by though because it is not going to be like super sunny and super dry as we go towards the weekend. We've got a whole lot more in the way of rain. So this is just round one as that you saw just those rain bands pushing out of here. We've got heavy rainfall expected as we get to the weekend and we'll definitely talk more about that in just a little bit. Yeah, looking forward to it. I know many of you have plans. There's a lot going on in Central Texas with events planned this weekend too and Mother's Day. So stay tuned for Camille's forecast. Let's get started with our daily four. A Homeland Security official says U.S. border authorities encountered more than 10,000 migrants along the U.S. southern border yesterday, and that's already more than government estimates for after Title 42 is lifted tomorrow, Thursday. Title 42 is a COVID-era rule that makes it easier to turn away migrants at the border. When the restriction lifts, authorities will return to decades-old protocol, which carries more legal consequences. Officials are preparing for migrant crossings to surge, and that's already been the case as we've seen this week. Preparations including bolstering transportation and capacity, leaning on a speedy deportation process, and getting help from other federal agencies. As of this morning, there were more than 28,000 migrants in Customs and Border Protection custody. So again, those predictions for 10,000 were supposed to be for tomorrow, and it's already exceeding that, Camille. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think we're praying for everybody at the border. That is mm -hmm. a lot of people in a small amount of area, you know, and so just everybody involved, we just want to send our prayers down to the border. Definitely, and on to number two in our daily four. Yes, absolutely. So it looks like Social Security payments aren't going as far as they used to go. In fact, they, the buying power has dropped more than a third since 2000. And that's according to the Senior Citizens League. So to kind of put that in perspective, seniors would need $517 more a month to, for their benefits to go as far as they did even just 23 years ago. So Social Security provides annual cost of living increases, uh, but it has not kept up with inflation. Benefits have gone up 70 
8% since mm. 2000, but retirees' average expenses have spiked more than 140%. So the math there just doesn't add up. The cost of prescription drugs, heating costs, and eggs have gone up the most. Wow. I know we feel inflation too. I think it's it's not, um, it's affecting everybody even, especially our senior citizens too and those that collect social security. Yeah, and everyone is looking for ways they can maximize their budget, some budget saving tips, and we have some of those for you that we've gotten from AARP. Yeah, that's the good news. There are some things that we can do and AARP does suggest some things on their website. They have a great list called 99 Great Ways to Save, and we picked out three we wanna share with you guys this afternoon. The first of which is make Thursday a pantry cooking night. I know I, you I need do that. To, I need to do this more. <laughs> but you do it more than anyone I know. You are so frugal and find ways to find things in your pantry. So it's a really good tip. I like the TV show. Oh. Uh, chopped where they yes. like, have different ingredients and they try to make it all work but we can do this too with what's in our pantry uh, Americans they typically throw away 30 to 40 percent of the food supply and often because it goes uneaten or until it's no longer editable uh, so why not cook it in one big meal weekly based on what food lingers in your refrigerator or your pantry and I think we should maybe do a chop challenge this week and see what we can make you got to make over your leftovers that's the best thing you can do and this has to do with your streaming services and I have a problem with this rotate your premium subscriptions I tend to just you know click on everything yeah. Pick one streaming service HBO Disney Plus subscribe only to that for a few months binge your favorite shows and then cancel that subscription subscribe to another one for the next three months depending on what you're watching I'm absolutely guilty of this so I'm taking my own advice tonight the services will have new episodes by the time you return so that's a way you can save some money there I know Richard and I were talking about this exactly already and saying that if we are like binging a show on one service we need to just cancel the other ones until we're mm -hmm. done Done with that show and then say okay let's let's go to a new show and probably on a different and streaming service have a new deal by the time you resubscribe so there you knows? go they yeah. want us back as a customer they mm -hmm. should give us a deal <laughs> <laughs> well third is you can party early uh, you can save around 35 percent on food and 20 percent on drinks during happy hours rather than going during the peak dining hours later on in the night. So check your neighborhood establishments and find out when they host happy hour or specials on food. Uh, and you can use sites like happable.com to get details on happy hours and locations across Central Texas. All right, so there are just a few tips from AARP. Thank you, AARP. Yes, we'll all money saving tips. We like those. Yes. <laughs> and we have number three in our daily four now and it also ties into your finances limiting your Starbucks trips that might get added to the list of ways to save some customers will have to pay a little bit more for their customized drink the company announced it will charge a dollar extra for customers who ask for a refresher without water and I didn't know what that meant until today no, what we had that? to have a talk about it so refreshers are non-coffee beverages made with juices fruit chunks another liquid like milk, lemonade, or water. And I guess that used to be, you know, a quick little freebie. Mm -hmm. But the company says getting light or no ice is still free. Substituting the water is not. Okay. Inflation and rising labor costs have to do with this. They're pushing chains like Starbucks to raise the prices. I don't know whether to blame Starbucks or inflation, but 
be prepared. Yes. yes. You know, that's one of the deal-saving tips that I have been doing is I get the light ice um, oh. on any of my iced coffee drinks because they put so much ice in there, but it's you already as much. Yeah. No, yeah, it's already cold. Mama needs all the coffee. I know, I know. <laughs> well, we did, we did, like, we took two cups and we poured what you could get in one with, with all ice and then one mm -hmm. with light ice, and it definitely was double the drink. So that's my, my little saving tip there for Starbucks, too. Light ice yeah. from Camille Hawksworth. <laughs> And on to number four in our daily four. I'm excited about this one, Camille. Yes, this it is showtime. So the ghost with the most is finally getting its next big moment. Beetlejuice 2, a sequel to Tim Burton's 1988 masterpiece, can't believe it was that long ago, is coming in September 2024. The original film featured stars like Catherine O'Hara, uh, Gina Davis, Alec Baldwin, a young Winona Ryder, and of course, Michael Keaton as the fast-talking and highly inappropriate Poltergeist specific um, specifications of a follow-up film have been swirling around for years. So fans will be happy to know that Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder have both been signed on to the project. Plus Jenna Ortega, you might know from Wednesday. Wednesday, yes, yes and the latest Adams Family movie. Uh, she is going to be in her roles also from Scream and like you mentioned, Wednesday too. Yes. So people will like to see her maybe in this also spooky role too. <laughs> Looking back, I didn't realize what a star-studded cast that was and what they've gone on to do from Beetlejuice Beetlejuice. I guess you gotta say it <laughs> twice. So looking forward to that. So if it's Beetlejuice 2, do you have to say it four times? Oh, good question. Camille <laughs> always finds the good question. <laughs> four times you gotta say it for the sequel. Coming up, we're gonna tell you about events you can participate in to commemorate the 1953 Waco tornado 70 years later. Stay with us. On May 11, 1953, a devastating F5 tornado tore a path of destruction through downtown Waco, claiming 114 lives. 70 years later, Central Texans will commemorate this major event in Texas history with a series of community events. We've already started talking about it here at KWTX, and we will premiere a documentary special, Monster from the Sky, on air tomorrow night at 6. Eric Ames, a local author and historian who's featured in the film, joins us now to talk about this moment in history. Welcome, Eric. Thank you for being here today. And first off, we got to see you at some of us at the premiere screening for some of the tornado survivors last night. I was blown away. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the documentary? Absolutely, and thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. um, I was privileged to be able to write a few Waco history books starting in 2007. And of course, you can't write a history book about Waco without talking about the tornado. So I was able to do a bunch of research into some of the basic information, some of the photographs from the Texas collection, and work those into those first two books. Um, because of that, I was eventually asked to lead a walk of tornado uh, information and points of interest downtown in 2017. And that had been a successive event for years following uh, up until the pandemic when we took a year off. And um, I just kind of gained a reputation as someone who knew a lot of the stories from the tornado. And uh, Brady reached out and said, hey, we're doing this documentary. We'd love to have you participate. And I was honored and, and really humbled to do it. Yeah, that was my next question was, what was that moment like between you and Brady and your response since this is kind of your life's work and now there's gonna be this film about it? Oh yeah, it, it was, it far exceeded my expectations. Uh, just to be able to put something in a book and talk to people in program settings and events is, is really important, but people really respond to moving footage and photographs and survivor stories. And so that documentary opportunity was just way too good to pass up. As you walked out of the private screening last night at the Waco Hippodrome, how are you feeling? 
humbled, um, overwhelmed, and just really grateful to be around survivors whose stories were captured for posterity. Uh, I talk all the time about how we need to be talking to people who lived through these major, major events, whether they think they're important to record them or not. We know as historians that those stories become the grist for the stories that we tell later. And you've talked to people but before this documentary even got in the works. I, I, there are plenty left, survivors left, to tell those stories. What's your work like with, with Baylor and the Texas Collection? Like, what do you do to gather those stories day to day? We are always looking for people who hold collection materials, someone maybe whose father went out and took 8-millimeter film footage or photographs of the uh, aftermath of the storm or even downtown before the storm. You know, we love to see family photos of, of family businesses. Maybe someone's family owned a filling station or a, a, a seed store, something that they could take pictures of and we're proud of. Uh, we're always talking at events and outreach through our library's media, social media channels to encourage people to do that. And then in my work in the Museum Studies program at Baylor, you know, I impress upon our students that they're the keepers of this next generation of stories. Um, we need to be thinking about history that happened in the mid-20th century, things even in the 70s and 80s that to them is as far back as the 50s were to me as a kid, but they need to be thinking about those events from a documentary standpoint. Something as simple as recording a story from your grandparents or from your friends and family when something historic happens. It's huge and years later makes a difference in something like this. And as we mentioned, there are several events open to the public beyond this documentary screening from last night to commemorate the 1953 Waco tornado. And you make it a point to do this each year, 70 years later. What are we doing here in Waco with a walk this weekend? Yes, so Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, as long as the weather holds out for us, uh, we will meet downtown at the tornado memorial and we will do uh, about a two-hour walk through some sites downtown. Uh, we're changing the route this year uh, to include some uh, locations across the river in East Waco uh, and a few other spots that were actually highlighted in the documentary to be able to tie those things together. Uh, so 10 o'clock on Saturday, meet downtown. It's free. Just come with your walking shoes and an umbrella if it's a little sprinkly. And if they can't make it, there are ways that people can still make that walk. And I believe we have a QR code on the screen right now, and you can just see the path and kind of do it for yourself. I think you'd have an expert here with you to guide you along the walk if you would like to participate this Saturday. Uh, but what other resources are there for people to find the information you're going to provide this sure. weekend? Uh, that QR code takes you to a page where there is an interactive map and a series of photographs documenting the locations on the map. Um, and then next week, uh, actually Brady Taylor and myself and Jeff Hunt from the Texas Collection at Baylor will be hosting a panel presentation on the 18th. Uh, that'll be at 6 p.m. at the Mayborn Museum where we touch on some of these topics and sort of bring it all together um, with the interactive elements and the storytelling and Brady's scientific knowledge about the storm and how it functions and then an opportunity for Q&A. Okay, and again, that's Thursday, May 18th at the Mayborn Museum with our own Chief Meteorologist Brady Taylor participating. And why do you feel it's so important to commemorate this piece of history? I, I had goosebumps and felt it in my heart watching this documentary last night. Why? But uh, you talked a lot about the resilience of Waco and the people of Waco. Absolutely. I think it tells a great story of pulling together in the, in the wake of a tragedy. Uh, people from all races, colors, and creeds were coming together because downtown was such an economic powerhouse for the city. It, it affected everyone. So when you see something like that happen, uh, you saw it bring out some of the best in people. And to still have survivors who are willing to tell their stories is just incredible. We hope you'll watch it as well and get involved in the activities this weekend. Thank you so much for being with us and bringing us this Waco history. I think that you'll, you'll cry, you'll laugh, you'll, you'll feel something, and you'll learn a lot uh, by participating in some of these events. So thank you so much.